هاي ذا سيتا 7 انجينير بودكاست ناو مي عبد الرحمن عاطف اند دكتور غانم كشواني وي ار دوينغ ذا 7 انجينير بودكاست ذات وي كان توك اباوت ذا بينيفيت اباوت ذا 7 انجينير اند ذا بايب وي كان بايب ذا 7 انجينير وي كان دو ذا بيست وي كان دو اند اي هوب يو كان لايك ات ثانك يو ليديز اند جنتلمان In this episode, we can speak with Mr. Sunin. Wow, he has a great story, actually, to be honest. He's from, he's from Canada. He studied as a civil engineer, but it, you know, he didn't, he didn't like the civil engineer. He wanted to do something else. He dropped out from the college, and he had an issue with his parents. And he, then he went up, and he be entrepreneurship. He opened two book, or first book called. Fast fair succeeds faster, and the second book called the Cut Podcast. He's been an entrepreneur. He had a lot of business in his life, and he was working for like more than fifteen years in his intuition. And even he has a podcast called the Intuition Podcast. To be honest, this is the second time we are recording this episode. The first one was a little bit miserable, you know, and there was an issue with the internet connection. Now this is the first time we record with him. Go and listen to the episode, and I hope you're gonna like it. Thank you. So, hi, Mr. Sunin. How are you? Introduce some more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to your listeners um, and those who may be watching, uh, possibly if you're using some of the snippet on online. Uh, so, my name is Sunil Godse. I'm the uh, CEO and and founder of uh, Intuitionology Incorporated, um, and uh, been t- teaching people how to stop wasting time making bad decisions by getting them to sharpen this subconscious tool that we're all born with called intuition that really helps us um, make the right decision at the right time. And through this podcast interview, I'm actually going to use a lot of science-based research to show you how that's the case and why that's the case and how you can actually start today listening to your intuition so that whatever decision you make is the right one in whatever situation that you're in. Fantastic. That's so amazing. I have another question to speak about it. Like, uh, what what about, can you give us more background about your history and how you start and how you how you entered? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, um, and and you know this from a South Asian background. So, uh, it, it, so as as a Middle Eastern background, being a South Asian male, you know, I ended up really kind of the formative career era, uh, going through one of four doors uh, as an East Indian male. So it's either doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. And my dad was an engineer. Um, and so I naturally went into engineering, even though there was something that was telling me that I shouldn't. And so. And this is sort of where the civil engineer comes in. And so I enjoyed civil engineering from the management risk aspect. Now, my intuition was always telling me that I, I need to be an entrepreneur. And so managing construction crews loved, solving problems loved. You know, in fact, I, I saved um, $90,000 in overtime costs by uh, using a simple spreadsheet to uh, basically calculate the heights of roads Um and if you, if from from those who are listening who are engineers, heights of roads are para- parabolic in, in in function. So therefore, there's a s- specific formula. And so I just put the formula in a spreadsheet. Whereas construction crews, every ten meters, we're redoing this this uh, calculation. And if you have hundreds of kilometers in a subdivision, that's a lot of time. And so my spreadsheet took something which is like three or four hours of calculations down to five minutes. We actually timed this. And so if you look at three or four construction crews times the overtime, because they couldn't do these calculations on site, now you're getting to $90,000 or $100,000 in cost savings per year. And so that's the stuff I really loved. 
But uh, what ended up happening was, uh, and the, the real reason why I kind of dove into uh, intuition and why it was so important for me was it was actually from my first book on uh, called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. And that book, the premise of that is that if you can learn from the failure of others and you don't repeat those mistakes, then you should be able to succeed faster. And so that, that book was called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. And so the one question I kept getting when I was going on stages around the world talking about this book was the one question was, Sunil, give me the one thing that's going to tell me how to succeed. And I said, okay, listen, you know, I have a 400 page book here. If it was one thing, I would just hand it an eight and a half by 11 PDF sheet or an A4 size paper, depending on where you live, that says, trust your intuition. And I wouldn't be there sitting there speaking to you, you know, <laughs> I mean, as much as I'd love. So there wasn't one thing. Um, uh, or, or I thought until I went back to the audio recordings. And what was really, really funny about this, not funny in a, in a, in a hilarious way, was that 80 to 90% of entrepreneurs and business executives that got into their failures or their hurdles all said something like, I should have trusted my intuition. I should have trusted my gut. I knew what the right decision was. I you know, And something to that version. And I'm thinking, wow, that's really interesting. I never even caught this this thread of commonality here. And so this was this thing called intuition that people were talking about. I had to really say, okay, so how was intuition for me now that all these people are talking about it? And I distinctly remember when I was five years old, um, there was these video games that my dad wanted, uh, that I wanted to buy. My dad said, no, uh, you can't have them. They're too expensive. So there was this distinct voice that was telling me, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And I listened to that voice and I went door to door. I raised $200, $100 went to my dad and the other $100 went to charity uh, because that was something that was really, really good. So now I, I now think, that, okay, well, there's that's when intuition kind of hit me. So if it was hit me when I was five years old, maybe I was born with it. That's what I started to think. So the next thing for me is say, okay, when did I ignore this thing? And so clearly when I was going through engineering, made the decision to go into engineering, you know, at five years old here, I'm walking around making money. Uh, and throughout my life, I had all these breadcrumbs of things that were entrepreneurial in nature. So it was very, very clear from an intuitive perspective that my path was being an entrepreneur. Yet, I was compelled because of being East Indian. I was compelled because of my dad. I was compelled because of society's rules that I needed to be a civil engineer. Well, an engineer. And I became a civil engineer. Uh, and I followed that and I ignored my intuition. And, you know, as much as I enjoyed some of those aspects of it as a career, I really didn't enjoy it. Um, and in year two uh, of my engineering stint, I got a chance to be a private investor in a, a restaurant chain that was happening in Canada. And soon, soon enough, I was making five times more in dividends as an investor part-time than being full-time engineer. And so I just said, yeah, something's got to break. Something was gnawing at me that was getting louder and louder to say, you got to move on. And so I did. I quit in year three. I lost my relationship with my dad. That was really bad. Um, that was very emotional for me, uh, but it was necessary. But when I did, oh my God, you know, uh, one business after another, after another venture, pretty soon, five or six businesses later, I was talking about wholesale clothing, retail clothing, pop-up events, entertainment company. I was making some serious money. I made about $20 million in revenues and loving it all as an entrepreneur and then moved on to management consulting. And I got this chance to be I get this huge contract down in Silicon Valley. And it was the money was amazing. And so, uh, but yet what was happening was the contract terms kept changing. Every time there was these revisions coming. And my intuition at that time, something was telling me saying, 
you better back off. Uh, and I didn't. I was so engrossed in the amount of money they were going to pay me that I went down to the States and they didn't pay me. I came back broke. I came back with 25 cents in my bank account. Um, I was about to be married. I had all this cash in my account gone. I, I remember driving up from the US-Canada border uh, back up to Canada. And my wife was calling, at, well, at that time, uh, she was my girlfriend, and saying, how are things going? And I'm saying, oh, yeah, things are going great. But meanwhile, I don't even know where I'm going to be sleeping that night. Um, and so but the, the 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 most devastating time that I ignored my intuition was when uh, I was in engineering, uh, engineering school at university, and a friend reached out to me to try and get some advice because she was being stalked by someone. And um, again, something was saying meet with her that afternoon, uh, and I ignored that. I said, you know what, let's meet a couple of days later. But that same fellow walked up to her uh, at a bus shelter and put a bullet through her head. Uh, and killed her instantly. And so now I really, really needed to find out what is this thing called intuition. And so at the time I was going online and I'm thinking, okay, what does, what is everybody else talking about? How are they seeing this intuition thing? And there were things like manifestation, voices from God, spirituality, meditation. And that was great for those people, but somehow it didn't resonate with me. I was just wondering why, why does that not resonate with me? So um, if we look at, uh, so for example, there's something called signals, right? So I remember these signals that were, remember these some things that were telling me what to do. And so I said, okay, there's these signals here. Great. I remember there was someone who I, in my social media circle that talked about intuition and signals. She was an intuitive channeler uh, and she's an international psychic. And I said, okay, maybe I'll go talk to her. And so I went to, to I, I took my video camera with my crew and I, I interviewed her. And she said that it, yeah, of course there's the signals intuition says it's energetic in nature uh, and we have to change our belief system and that the research just hasn't caught up with us yet. So what I really liked the fact was that she talked about it from an energetic perspective. And so for those who are engineers or, or sort of in the material space, uh, there's there's a property that I really, that I like about say steel or things like that is that it's got mass-like properties and sort of energetic or wave-like properties. And I kind of like that. Um, and so the way I was starting to think about intuition, it was like, there's this art and science to it. So the art part is these signals. And then the science is really, well, is there science? Because now this, this international psychic is saying that the science is not there. And I'm just thinking, well, come on now. Like if, if, I've, if I've gone through intuition and, and I noticed it, and now I have a book written where 80 to 90% of these executives and entrepreneurs are talking about it. How come there's no research? That just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I reached, I looked at my circle of contacts and I said, who do I know that's going to give me a really good scientific explanation to it? And lo and behold, there's this neurologist that I knew. And so I went to him, I went to his hospital and I was, took my camera with me and I was, ex I wasn't expecting much because if there's no research there, um, then this is going to be a five minute conversation. Uh, and that's it. And so, uh, and so I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to put too much money in the meter because, you know, if it's five minutes, I have enough to get a coffee and come back. And, and then I turned on the camera and I wasn't, I wasn't expecting much. I asked him, does intuition exist? And his first thing is, it absolutely exists. He goes into the neurology of it uh, and how it go affects the gut. Uh, he trusts his patient with it. Uh, and he was saying more and more neuroscience research is coming out. That's saying that it is happening even before we are a lot more conscious of it. So now I've got the science part. And so I've got the art and the science. Now I'm, I, I'm kind of getting a definition that I kind of resounds with me. I went online to some dictionaries. They didn't help. 
And so I said, okay, there, then obviously he's saying some, he's seeing some research. Let's go to an academic research database to see if we can find something. And so I went into onto a, a, an academic database. I typed the word intuition and I'm expecting maybe 10, 12, 15 articles. And I hit enter and there's tens of thousands of articles on intuition. And one of the reasons why I now realized that I couldn't find a definition of it was that one of the characteristics of your intuition is it hits the amygdala, which is the primitive part of your brain. All it knows is fight or flight. All it knows is these things, trust, like. There is no language associated with it. And so no wonder I couldn't find a definition. It's because it's my own definition. So when intuition hits us, we tend to put our own definition around it. And so this is really, really important uh, for us to, um, uh, to think about. And you've got the intention experiment. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, but uh, we actually put our own spin on things. We put our own language around it. Um, and so if you look at, for example, these signals that I was telling you about that, uh, earlier that I was getting, um, what I noticed uh, is that after I looked at, in, if I, if, after I interviewed over a thousand people, these signals were very, very specific to each certain type of person. Uh, and I'll explain to you a little bit. Uh, I just want to dive into a bit of the research and some other research that I found. Um, and so there were these, it was subconscious in nature. Then remember I was telling you earlier that I thought that we were born with it. There was some research now showing that infants as young as two months old have been shown to have intuitive properties. They called it intuitive physics in the paper. Okay. So that makes sense. Uh, and then Further research now says what Dr. Rathbone was saying is that it, it shows up much earlier than we consciously know about it. Lo and behold, there's this research paper that shows that intuition acts on average seven to 10 seconds before we actually make a decision or take an action. And in entrepreneurs, they, did, they measured things like heart rate and skin conductance as sort of proxies for intuition. They found on average seven seconds before an entrepreneur made a decision, intuition had come through and gave them what we call a signal. So let's go now back to these signals. These two types of signals that help us, they're, they're positive and negative signals. Positive signals are ones that obviously tell us that you're making the right decision. So for me, those positive signals are a flow uh, or the dots connecting. It just seems to feel right. Um, but there are other people, and this is where we get into the specificity of signals. Uh, there was one CEO that actually sees omens. So there's this thing that comes up on his right shoulder. There's no shape, uh, no color, but he knows that when it comes up, whatever he's doing, whether it's hiring someone or bringing on a partner or doing a business deal or looking at a vendor, when this, when this omen comes up, he trusts it. And then whatever he's doing, he says yes to, because that's his, his, his positive signal saying that he's moving in the right direction. I have a singer songwriter that sees this orb. She actually sees this floating orb that comes up. The other, so there's positive signals. The other one is negative signals. And the negative signals are the ones that are telling you that you shouldn't be making that decision. So for me, I get that actual anxiousness or that gut feeling. And we've all had that though. So if everybody listening, if they've ever walked into some kind of room or, you know, and they just think that there's something's off, he says, like, there's something, you know, there's something off here, right? And, and, and it's internal thoughts. It's not something you necessarily need to vocalize. Or there's something wrong with that person. Or, you know, you just get that small sort of whisper. And so that's exactly how your negative signals work, right? And so 
uh, one of the there was an entrepreneur I, I interviewed, uh, and he says, you know, Sunil, nobody's ever asked me about signals. I mean, that's not something that's it's not like, hey, let's go for coffee. Hey, what are your intuitive signals? I mean, that's just not regular, uh, regular talk. And so, and so, as we're talking about the ventures that he went in for the wrong reasons, um, like for money, for fame, uh, or he just it was a waste of time, but he went in anyways. Every time he was recounting that story, he was grabbing his left earlobe. And then he said, wow, I just realized what my intuitive signals are. He said, it's, this, this, it's, a, it's a left earlobe. And now he remembers when he looks back that when he went into the ventures, he was always wondering why his left earlobe went hot. When he talked to his wife about those ventures, he was remembering that his left earlobe got hot. And so that's, again, how specific it works. And the issue with, with the what, issue or the problem with negative signals, I guess, from our perspective, is they actually start very subtle in nature. And these are the signals that we really miss. Um, and so as these subtle signals get ignored, and some people call it a whisper or something's just off, but we tend to ignore that and we continue down the path of making one bad decision after another. And so what happens is your intuition sends you a louder signal and a louder signal, and it changes uh, so that at some point, it's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, listen, don't ignore me anymore. And so some people I've interviewed have said that they've gotten into car crashes. They've almost wanted to take their own lives. Um, and all this was the ultimate negative signal that gets them to turn their life around to start paying attention to those signals that intuitions give them so that they finally find success in their life. And so the thing is, because both of our experiences are very unique, so your experiences and mine will be very, very unique. And so what will happen is, let's say we can even have a common signal. So let's say for you, it's a, let's say it's a voice. So let's say you and I share a voice. So for you, that voice could be signal number one. And that's great because you've identified the first negative signal for you, which means that you're always, if you trust it, the next decision is that it's going to be a good one because you're going to back away from that negative decision. But let's say if that voice is signal number three for me, if it's signal number three for me, what that means is I've missed two signals. I've missed signal number one and signal number two. If I've missed those two signals, that means I've made two bad decisions. And if I made two bad decisions, then that means I could either be stubbing my toe or I could be headed towards bankruptcy. I just don't know. And, and some people think that your intuition actually takes you through negative experiences and 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 we'll talk about the the sort of the the the, the four types of four hurdles hurdles and this is where intuition is never wrong it always takes you to the right uh the right uh situations uh, sunil is it possible this and it is really really interesting is it possible uh, you know just to ask a couple of questions while you're talking sure absolutely absolutely Ganim. yeah so first of all thanks a lot i mean i was just absorbing and absorbing and there is a couple of points I, I want to discuss that. Yep. Uh, uh, I mean, when you were describing your journey, it reminds me a lot about my journey that um, being self-authentic is expensive, but it's worth it. You know, I usually say yeah. that being self, yes. be, being yourself is very expensive. You mentioned about your relationship with father. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, I, I have to admit, I mean, I don't have the perfect healthy relationship with my parents due to that to be myself, you know? Yeah. And... Um, 
although like I did my study in self engineering my my choice you know from bachelor all the way to PG because I do love my uh, my uh, my major civil engineering but yet you know you know there is other option in life that I, I need to be my self authentic and um, I usually say that you know I have I have I have a daughter and I usually tell my wife that the best advice that or the wish that you can wish your kids is that to be to discover their own mission and to be and yes. they should be their self authentic this yes. is because many people they say uh, i wish them to be happy yeah happiness it will be a result if they discover their own mission and they become their true self and i need to call dr sivali about it you know dr sivali she has a wonderful book called conscious parenting me and atul yes. she talk about yes. it and um, yep. she had the awakening family and you mentioned about the intuition and i have this big uh, tagger that i read this book for her and there is a lot of experiment people they try to quantify this especially from quantum physics about the frequency how we can see the frequency and i usually yes. Uh, Hicks, I mean, she, she mentioned some books about and she said, if it feels good, it must, to, it, it is good. Something like this. So it is all about the frequency, how you feel it. You know, if we can, um, hypothetically, and out of you can contribute in this, if we can divide the human being in four pieces, uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally, I believe the one is governance is the emotion because emotion attract things. You know, yes. I yep. mean, this is the basic thing. If we, it feels goes, it, it will, like I, I usually we say um, I trust my gut. You know, yep. And sometimes you mention about the parents. I, I we call it social conditioning or social programming. You know, as human being, we see like parents are the our first programmers. That this is wrong. This is uh, good. You follow this. And uh, for example, in, in any part of the world, our people are the best people. Our religion, the best religion. And usually after a while, you know, we have this awakening. And I believe um, being a parent and parents is awakening, you know, that uh, there is nothing right or wrong. It is it's the right word is suitability. It yeah. suits me. It's yes. not about right. This is the suitable choice for me. It is somehow, um, it is not the best um, uh, comparison to say, but I say yes. that like the diet, you know, that it uh, maybe vegan suits me as vegetarian, gluten-free, but it not suits uh, somebody else. But I cannot say it is the right, it is the right one. And especially when it comes to the gut, it is all about your mission, you know. So yes. my why, Simon your Singh, purpose. he all, always say, discover your why. My why is totally different than out of why. Out of why yes. is totally different. So this is why I like the suitability. But again, being self-authentic, is it is expensive, but it's worth it in the end. And the journey to discover yourself, there is a lot of setbacks and your question. And sometimes, you know, you say it's not worth it. I'll be with the... Uh, in the immune thinking in, in the herd in, uh, the herd mentality that I'll yes. do with the herd mentality I, I don't know Atof you have anything to say about that yeah I completely agree with you Ghana man with Mr. Sunin what you are saying um, I hope your your relationship with that now is fine Mr. Sunin I hope now yeah we're we're, we're closer than ever uh, and, yeah. and so there's a lot of stuff there that you said that was really really uh, stuff that I absolutely agree on uh, so when it comes to quantum mechanics uh, quantum physics um uh, when it also comes to frequencies, so if there's another one called Power Versus Force by David Hawkins, talks about frequencies in there. It all depends upon how far you want to take it. Um, and, and so this is where I'm a little bit cautious. I definitely believe in quantum mechanics, quantum physics, uh, frequencies, and things like that. I do. But to someone who's a, who's a hardcore engineer like my dad, uh, who's an investment banker where data and research, uh, and, I, and I'd love to, to 
to look at the components of intuition with using this a non-believer into a believer in one hour i was able to convince him um but uh, to him like when i started talk about you know intuition being like he understood it as manifestation uh voices from god and things like that and for him who's like research and data and science uh, spreadsheets he's just like yeah i don't intuition i don't i don't connect with because he hasn't defined it in his or own his way when it comes to kids if you want so one of the things that happens is there's an intangible called intuition and, and what we're often looking at is tangible benefits where we can see touch feel experience uh rather than something that could be hocus pocus or woo woo as, as people call it um yeah you know and, and so for my kids for example um we, we talk about purpose and they're lucky i guess um that there's someone talking about intuition i mean nobody talked to me about intuition when i heard that voice uh and we and the other thing i was before I, this leaves my thought because you were talking about things being expensive a lot of times when we say those kind of things nothing wrong with saying that but it's ex, it's expensive from whose point of view what intuition looks at is it filters those relationships to only uh, listen to those people who really really care and who matter who matter to what your purpose is so i don't see it as expensive I see that as, as, as getting rid of, of something else. Like, for example, sometimes we trust our intuition to make a decision. And, and some of the interviews, uh, interviews I've had for my podcast episode have said, uh, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to waste them to waste their time because I didn't feel like that was the right client. And I said, well, hold on. Why are you saying that you're, you know, you're wasting his time? Isn't that person wasting your time by not being authentic with you? So it all depends upon perspective. And I just want to make sure. So when we say expensive, for me, it was necessary because if I didn't trust my intuition, that would have been expensive. I would have been in a career that I didn't enjoy. I would have gone down a route, a route that I really didn't like. And one of the things that we have to think about is called opportunity cost. It's not just the cost of making that bad decision. Let's talk about my career right? It's not just the three years that I spent in engineering doing something I didn't like. It was also those three years that I didn't run a business because I was called to entrepreneurship. And if you look at the five or six businesses that I had that made $20 million in revenues, now I've got what amount of money did I leave on the table? That's called opportunity cost. That's double the cost. And when it comes to kids and giving them purpose, parents have a huge responsibility to talk to kids about giving them that purpose, not from your lens, from but from their lens. And yes, you can be a guide uh, and it's okay to use that guide, but you have to give them the opportunity to fail. You have to give them the opportunity to exercise their independent decisions. And I'll give you two examples from my kids uh, because they are thick in intuition. And I'll start with my youngest because this is a real funny story. She still doesn't understand these signals and things like that. She's nine, but and she still asks, you know, Dad, what are these? What are these things? What do you know? And intuition is, and and so we we go through some of the experiences that she had. So she was able to move away from a bully uh, by just seeing the bullying behavior, and she was not, and she was able to take that friend out of her decision set of friends that she wanted to surround herself with. And the funny one was that. I was asking her, well, it's, there's sometimes, you know, something's telling you to say something and you, you say it. And so she says, oh, dad, yeah, I have, a, I have an example. So, you know, around Christmas time, this is now, she was, I think, five years old. Uh, 
Uh, so we're going back a number of years. And so she was on the, you, you know, you see the Santa in the, in the malls and, you know, they give you a candy cane and, you know, they ask you what you want for Christmas, all that. So she was in line to sit on Santa's lap. And so Santa, so she said, she was saying that dad, you know what? Uh, Santa started asking me what my name was and asking these questions. And then she looks and she says, his breath was stinking. And he, and she grabs her nose and she goes, his breath was stinking. And then she, 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 she touches her forehead and says, my intuition was telling me to ask him to eat a candy cane because that's going to freshen his breath. And so I asked him to eat a candy cane and he did eat his candy cane. And then he started asking me questions and he goes, his breath smelled much better. And then she says, always trust your intuition. And so that's, I told her that's exactly kind of how it works is that it's something inside of you is telling you to say something. But I think if you want a tangible result of, of what happens when you trust your intuition, you can look at to my, to my 14 year old uh, daughter, when she was 12, we were in India and she, uh, she was always been a painter. She was a painting since she was four years old. And she, when we went to India in December of 2018, she saw these paintings done by on postcards. She goes, these are beautiful. And what she didn't realize is that these were done by, by people with no arms. And she, she was saying, oh my God, like these are just normal people. And why can't they express themselves? And why do we, and all these thoughts are going through her head. Why do we treat them like disabled? I want to do something for them. And so I, and I said, okay, Avni, then her name's Avni, obviously. I said, Avni, then it's got to come from you, right? You got to tell me, I'm not formally saying trust your intuition. I mean, she's at that time, she's 12. I'm saying, you know, it's got to come from you. What, what is compelling you to do this? You got to tell me because I want her to drive that, that purpose. Now I'm seeing the forming of purpose as, as uh, you were talking about earlier. So this purpose for her is really shaping, uh, shaping. And I've seen this purpose in her when she was younger. She's always wanted to help people in need. We saw these fans on the side of the road and she goes, dad, I can use these fans to make air conditioners for the homeless so that they can, they can get out of the heat. Uh, And so she's always had that stint. And so, Six months later, we're sitting in the living room and she whips her head around and she said, dad, I'm ready. And we were actually playing a board game. So I had no clue what she was talking about. And she says, I said, what, you're ready for what? And she goes, well, I, I'm ready to, to, to figure out what happened in India. I'm ready to take that forward. And I said, okay, what, what do you want? What do you think you're doing? I'm going to open up a nonprofit business. I'm going to sell my art. I'm going to raise money and I'm going to bring people who have disabilities and illnesses together so they can, I can have them paint for free and they can express themselves and feel really, really good because of me. And I said, okay. And so the very next day we actually opened an official federal Canadian nonprofit corporation. A month after that, she had her first fundraiser. Uh, we had over a hundred people attend. She, her goal was $2,500. She raised over $5,000. Her originals were all sold within one hour of a three hour event. We even had someone from Scotland on FaceTime looking at her paintings, looking at something to buy. Uh, an hour after that, we have, an, uh, she, she then uh, has her pop-up event where she has people with disabilities and illnesses um, come a couple of people in wheelchair, someone who had Down syndrome, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, which is an organization that helps uh, bring kids who are, you know, from, from abused uh, homes paired up with other, uh, with other parents or, or pseudo parents. Uh, and she had this one gentleman um, who had uh, cerebral palsy or sorry, Parkinson's disease. And this was really a cementing of her purpose. So he says, Avni, come here. And so 
she she approaches the table and she's watching him and his left arm, if you guys can't see, his left arm is violently shaking because of his cerebral palsy. And he takes his, his brush and he dips it in paint and he puts it to canvas and his left arm stops shaking. And he said, my mind is open. It's free. And she can see the left arm stopping. And he says, this is what your, your um, event is doing for me. And she was so elated. That's the cementing of purpose. And if you want a tangible benefit, if you want to look at dollars, she is now a year and a half in. She's sold, she's raised over $30,000 and counting. She had uh, about a month ago, she had someone just reach out, say, can you do a custom uh, painting for me? Yesterday, uh, we had another order from someone we have no clue who is, who, she, uh, who that person is, bought a painting online. She has her own podcast series on how art affects people. She does all the back-end post-production herself uh, using Adobe Premiere, and she uploads it to – she uses Libsyn, which is our podcasting host. She uploads it there. She uh, she she works on her web, website, the back-end of the website. She knows all that stuff. She's 14. When you have purpose and you put that in the hands of a child, they can move mountains. So the, as parents – you support them or get out of the way. For me, I'm very staunch about that because I am seeing the results. And yes, they're going to make mistakes. Yes, they're going to fail. Yes, they're going to have peer pressure. My daughter's entering teenage and high school. Absolutely. We're not robots. But if we can give that skill set to my two daughters now and they can learn about trusting their intuition more often than not, can you imagine where they're going to be? Can you imagine what type of legacy I'm leaving for them? Wow. I mean, Sunil, I mean, just, you know, my daughter is five years old. Her name is Shamsa. Mm. And uh, Atof, I mean, uh, Atof, you want to start? Because I have a lot of things to ask Sunil about. You know? <laughs> I want to ask a lot. Uh, yeah, go, 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 Atof, you know? Because <laughs> okay. this is really fantastic. Like, yeah, because, uh, you know, you touch the sweet spot that me and Atof, we discuss everything. Because, you know, I was d- discussing with him about Maslow uh, triangle of needs that he, before he died, yeah. Maslow, he has something called extended Maslow triangle and he add the word transcendence the impact yeah. that yep. impact is one of the needs for you yes. to live yes i mean and that was breakthrough that maslow and many people they don't know about the extended maslow triangle they know the regular triangle i mean out of go ahead because if i if i start i will not stop go out <laughs> <laughs> it's okay well actually because i first of all when you make your kids be their independence for their own soul that's amazing because you are not sabotage their independence and their thoughts. Right. Right. That I agree with you. I applaud you for that. I really, I really, really applaud you for that because I wish most of that. Okay, but I will tell you, me and you, our, our parents, they didn't know what, they don't know what, how, how we think about, they don't know the equipment, what they have. But what when you teach your parents, your kids to do it, also from the value, from how to serve the some community, and how to yeah. the they will it's more effective 10 times from do it from a place just to get the money even for yeah, absolutely. adults what absolutely. about for kids and you do it how to serve the society and this is entrepreneur yeah. from this is the way you can give entrepreneur from the way to benefit a value not from yeah. a way just to you know just to get how to get money 
it has nothing to do with money. And, and yeah. I think as a society, we're so caught up in extrinsic motivation and social media is filled with people that are, you know, leaning against good cars and wearing gold chains and, oh, as, and, and, and this one thing that, the ones that I had them. Oh, and, and, and you know, ones those. yeah. And it's just so false. And, and it's not just false for us. I mean, just think about the people creating that type, like what, I mean, what uh, shouldn't you be wanting to create community and help others in different ways? Right. Uh, and, and I can't speak for where they are in their life, but you know, there's one thing to drive curiosity when it comes to social media or anything else, but it's different to gr- and dr- drive engagement. And we're, now we're talking about, again, the, 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 Emotional needs. The uh, this is where um, we're getting to the amygdala, back to intuition, where it's either fight or flight. If you want to drive emotion, if you want to affect per, a person, if you want to, if you want to gather a community of people around you who are like-minded, uh, your intuition is going to filter those people out who are going to help you, support you in your purpose. And it's important that these aren't yes people. These are people who are going to support you in the ups and downs. That's going to give you the right criticism when you need it. That's authentic with, with no intention, but for your best interest. And unfortunately, even with my parents that, you know, they did it for the East Indian thing. They didn't really ask me what I wanted and they've never asked me what I wanted. Right. <laughs> they, they can't even produce, they can't pronounce entrepreneurship. Right. They still think I'm working part-time. Right. And so <laughs> I mean, I'm successful to say, come on, Sunil, go get a, they've stopped asking me to get a full-time job because they just don't understand what I'm doing. And so I keep it light uh, when I explain it to them. And so we don't really talk about it. But I would tell you something. Yeah. I would tell you something. This is I got at Letty. I would bet I have because the same issue. I have the same issue. Yeah. That I, I have my relationship with my parents is not still not healthy as still now. Right. But they don't know what they know because they, they are they are they are they yes, were rating right. the way how to climb the radar only. Yes. Now it is a nation entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial life. And they yeah. didn't they they don't they don't they are not equipped with that tool that what we have now. Yeah. Because my dad is the same issue we have with him, like in his in his in his game when he came from Yemen to UAE, it's the same thing. He wants to grow up. He did he doesn't want he just wants to survive that time. Yeah, yeah. So I I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we have to we have to stop living. So ninety nine percent of us, and this is a real, uh, this is a real hard. Uh, for a lot of people, like 99% of us are don't really trust ourselves to make our decisions. If you look at the decisions that we make today, many of us are looking at the past and saying, I'm never going to do that again, or I'm going to try and prove that person wrong, um, or I'm going to show up in a different way, or I want to prove to everyone. I'm, uh, and so everybody, there's a, not everybody. Many people have this sort of internal dialogue that's in their, in their system. And so the decisions they make today are in reaction to things that have happened in the past. Maybe there's a traumatic event and you really need to work on it. But the problem is when we start to make, make you know, walk today with these, these paths or the every step we take is in reference or in reaction to something in the past, where's us? Where are we? Like, why can't I just walk a path for Sunil? Why do I have to walk a path for my dad? Or, or my, my, you know, some friend that spited me, or that maybe I got abused and stuff. And I'm not trying to make that light, but we got to really work on getting away from that, getting un- emotionally unstuck, so that we can walk in the present moment. And there are so many people talking about uh, walking in the present, being in the present moment, but they aren't like that. They're not like that. I, I you know, one of the one of the great yeah, the ways power of, of now, like Eckhart Tolle, it is power of now. Yes, say, yeah, yes. It is easy to say than than in a. So, so, I mean, 
you miss many points that is like um, tr- trigger many things about it. I mean, you y- you mentioned about the present. I mean, it is not easy. I think the pinnacle of self awareness is to know your why, and the pinnacle yeah. of self discipline to live your why. I yeah. mean, if I can summarize this, and I think to get to inner peace, you need to have. Um, awareness with more awareness you have more acceptance with more acceptance you have more surrender with more surrender you have more inner peace i mean this mm-hmm. is uh, the cycle that i usually say and for example let me share my why i i sure. it, uh, triple i to s it said to inspire influence impact people by scientific research because i am an academic mm-hmm. and self-development to make the world better this is my mission. It is one line clear, and I, it is in my board. Every day I wake up, I see my mission. Ghanem, this is your mission, you know? Yeah. And this is, um, you know, you have value, and from your value, you get a mission. So I always say, this is my mission. As an academic, I publish paper about the latest cement and the structure, and this is like my impact. And at the same time, I read a lot about self-development. Yep. And you mentioned something interesting about the social condition and social approval, how you get programmed. And, you know, I read before, you know, the famous uh, experiment by Zimbardo, the prison of Stanford, uh, milligram 60s, how people, they get affected by the surrounding. And we have this debate, uh, you are productive for your nature and nurture and, you know, all the people they talk. But I think the, the, the moment of enlightenment that we have here as a human being is simply when you know your why. I mean, and again, this is have been masked and by social, it is all about money. So, you know, financially play a role, but it's not everything, you know? I mean, um, yeah. And, and there's something I say that you take, when you take care of the inputs guided by intuition, the outputs take care of themselves. So this yeah. is not about, you know, living in the mountains or anything like by any means. I mean, we got to pay our bills and some of us want to be, have some financial success as symbols of success, but it's the intention behind yeah. having that the nice car is. or that brand. It's the value you place on it. And it's the intention. You know what the intention is. You may say that, oh no, I, I'm driving a BMW because it makes me feel good. When your internal intention is really about, look at me, look at me when I'm at a stoplight, right? You know that. You can tell, you can say whatever you want. And in the end, it's up to you to walk that path. Nobody else. I mean, yeah, people can look at you. I can look at you. You can have a fancy car and and you're a fleeting thought then. I don't care about who you are, what your values are. I've never asked you for any opinion. You want to look good? Great. You look good for like two seconds in my life, which is which I wasn't doing anything anyways. Is that what you want for impact? I mean, that's wouldn't you rather just, you know, you and I meet in a coffee shop and have a deep conversation and enlighten me on what your values are and just really have something cathartic where we both come away from learning versus showing me you've got, you know, uh, a BMW. I mean, I can, I can use com- any kind of these comparisons and some people, when, and when you do Ghanim, when you're, when you're in that sort of enlightened path or finding out your why, some people may say that it's lonely I, I don't look at it that way. What I say is that it's it's not lonely. It's just that there's few people that are on the same journey as me. And I, I mean, you, we've all met what tens of thousands of people. I have two people that I can probably share my thoughts with Two. Yeah, but you know, alone, it is totally different than being lonely. You, maybe you are alone, but you are not lonely. I mean, yes, two exactly. different things, you know. Oh, people people always misunderstand me and Atif. You know, I prefer to have, like me and Atif, most of the time we, we, have, you know, we are alone. But I mean, people, they cannot uh, resonate with what we're thinking. And I usually yeah. say to Atif, whatever manifests in the outside world, in the physical yeah. world, is, yeah. is, is due yeah. to the, what, going inside, in the quantum yeah. world, you know. Yeah. So people, they don't know about the quantum world, the frequency. And by the way, 
the most uh, I mean Einstein he have a lot of talk about the quantum world and how it works and the frequency and he had this famous like everything is still until it get observed and what it mean that it is all about what you, you mentioned the intuition that when you observe it you put the word then things will be attracted there is no secret formula that uh, uh, like the, as they put in this like uh, people like talk on the secret that if you just imagine if you said affirmation it will manifest no there is hard work you need to pay yes i mean you need yes. to pay the dude but visualization with hard work uh, with the planning with the persistence then it manifests i mean there is no people they want to take shortcut uh, yesterday they said it is all about work smart not work hard no you need to work hard you yeah. pause you learn then you work smart Yes, There's yes, learning yes. transition between working, you work hard, you learn, then you work smart. Working smart is a result of learning from working hard. But people, you know, especially uh, we are millennium, but people like from Gen Alpha or Gen Z, sometimes they think, you know, I just work smart, like entrepreneurship. It doesn't work like that. You know, you need to fail. As you, from your book, you need to fail. You yep. learn, then you go and you work yep. smart. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, interestingly, one of my, my interviewees, um, and let me give you her backstory because I think this lends even more context to what she's doing. She's an expert in the manifestation space, exactly what you're talking about. And so let me give you her story before we talk about, because what you're talking about exactly what she, what she uh, complains about when it comes to people talk about manifestation and, and in, in things like the book, like the secret um, sometimes get into this is that she, so this was someone who was, uh, in a 10-year uh, abusive relationship, 40 instances of physical abuse. And at one point she went out, this is December 31st, I believe 2016. And we talked. I talk about intuitive signals. She goes outside, she looks at the sky and she gets this clear signal that is basically telling her now, now's the time to get out, go. And this is the one time she's listened to it. Um, and so she packs her bags and she leaves. And so this is where someone who's $30,000 in debt, no money, she had to go on social assistance or we call welfare, two kids to feed, homeless. Uh, she's picking up furniture from the side of the road. Uh, she's going, actually going into public washrooms to steal the soap so that she can put the pieces of soap together so that her kids can have a nice shower, eating beans and bread for days on end. And, but one trusting intuition and that's one signal after another what happens when you trust your intuition is that these doors, mini doors of opportunity start opening up and you open them and they start presenting themselves. And then what happens is that a year later, she meets the love of her life. First on Twitter, a year later, they end up marrying. Six years later, six and a half years later from the day that she walked out, she is now running a uh, in manifestation. Uh, she teaches people about manifestation and she's, she's a multimillionaire. And it's not about the money. It's about that journey. And when we talked about exactly what you talk about, when you just think about it and it happens, she says that is not what manifestation is. Uh, and uh, the Vishen Lakani is another one. He calls it junk. Uh, what does he call it? Junkyard um, something. Like it's just people say it and you know, they, they think it happens. No, you actually have to take the steps that happen. And if you want to look at scientific explanation, I mean, I was just listening to a podcast on brain plasticity. Yeah. Right I know today. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and when you look at the neurons, you know, fear is kind of your best friend uh, and, and it, you know, kind of opens up the neurons to, to start creating some new neural pathways. 
but you have to take action. I mean, you if you don't take action, those neurons go right back to where they are and you're right back to day on, uh, yeah, you know. There is a book started. called Breaking the Habit, you know, they talk exactly about it. And for John Spencer, uh, Breaking the Habit, how we need to do that. Yeah. And um, I mean, there is another book called The Surrender Experiment. Yep. And uh, it's the same thing. You need to do the work. You need, yes. there is yes. there is nothing, you know, uh, I mean, uh, no pain, no gain, but you need to have the planning. It yeah. is all a part of the uh, tuition that you need to do the planning, the work, mm-hmm. the persistence, then you earn it. You know, you need to have the earning uh, mentality to for your dream. There yes. is, uh, yeah, and, uh, and as I said, it's a full picture. Sometimes you put the effort, but it's not manifested, but you need to steer it, you put it in the right path. I, I think, Adam, you want to add something here? No, totally, like, agree. Like, you can, people think like, okay, I'm gonna sit in the home, money will come to me. No. No. When you work hard in the first time, you will wait a way to mainstream it. Yeah. So you'll be next time smarter. Yeah. This is, this is, I agree. And also, in addition, what I want to do, like, manifestation is something and working toward manifestation is something else. Yes. People, yeah. people, people, but if you, both of them are connected. Like, for example, you have to manifest for to work things. Like, you cannot work hard without manifestation. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. you got you got to you got to find out what your goal and your purpose is, yeah. uh, and then you work towards that. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Avni not uh, she's not going to raise any money if she hasn't taken the steps to put things together. But when 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 she has her purpose, or when we each all have our purpose, people s- surround the around you, latch onto you because of that purpose, right? And and a, a really good example I have this you know not walking the talk was there's this fellow I met, uh, he was his name's Hal Eisenberg, he was in the in the same mindset space. Very loosely, I'm saying. Uh, and so, yes, mindset, we, uh, you know, he used to say, I trust my intuition, I trust my gut. And then he meets me. And of course, nat- naturally, if you look at a Venn diagram, we, we come together because he's in mindset, I'm in intuition. Uh, and he says, oh, cool, you know, there's a, a comrade, so to speak. Uh, and then he sees, he sees me speak. Uh, at an event, and I started talking about the four, uh, the 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 positive and negative signals, and the four types of intuition, um, and four intuitive hurdles. Uh, and he goes, "Wow, I didn't think that there were signals." And what? There's four types of intuition, and it just really enlightened him. And then soon after our, uh, maybe six months after our talk, uh, where he saw me speak, he got this, he now remembers as an intuitive signal. He developed a cough, and he said he should go to the hospital, and he shrugged it off. Right. So even though he's now educated a bit on these signals and he recognizes this is a signal his intuition is giving him, he just shrugs it off uh, and his cough gets worse and he shrugs off the, the more intense signals. And eventually he had to be uh, taken to the emerge in New York City because he, dev- he had the COVID-19 virus. Uh, and he was basically fighting for every single breath. And he there was a point that came, he said it was a life or death moment. He actually wanted to die. That's how bad it was. But he distinctly remembers, he says, if there's anything that teaches you about intuition, intuition came to me and said, your voice is not done. You are doing some great work. And he was doing some amazing work with, with kids in New York City. Uh, he expected close to 100,000 kids and bringing a lot of this mindset to the, the New York school system. And it just said, you're not done. You need to live and you need to come out. And for him, it was crystal clear as to what his purpose was. And then he came out 
five days later after he left the hospital, um, I was the first person he talked to at length about what he went through. And he was quite open. He's actually my very first podcast guest when I launched my podcast series. And what a way to start your podcast series on, on a life or death situation where intuition pulls him out of that. Um, and he himself says, you know, Sunil, I was talking about mindset and stuff like that before. I was talking about, yeah, do this and it's good, but I wasn't acting it. I wouldn't, I'd say this, I'd say this to my team, do this way and I'd go somewhere else. So this, you know, he himself, when we talked about walking the talk, you really have to live it and you can't just talk about it like a social media theme. That's where the tough part is because you really, really have to be in the present moment and you have to listen to those signals and you, you take the path that you're on, no matter what criticism you get. And that's something that I tell people is this is the train that I'm on. This is my track and I'm affecting people. I've got testimonials up to yin yang. Uh, I've, I've my daughter's running a successful business on, on, uh, I mean, I've got, if you want evidence, I mean, I've got so much evidence around me. I've got 54,000 people now through my, uh, my seven day challenge. I mean, if you want numbers, I can give you numbers. Uh, Sunil, if, if it's possible, just, um, you know, you mentioned that uh, many people, they don't, um, practice what they preach and um, yeah you know funny things you know um you know on uh, alcohol anonymous program that the last step from the 12 steps that you need to f- help another alcoholic uh, from his addiction the same thing with the leadership the last step as john maxwell he said you need yeah. to prepare another leadership so you need to practice what you preach as the last step to be true and you believe what you are doing. So yeah. just, I have a question. I mean, you mentioned about the signal. Do you believe that the master only appear when the students are ready, that the master will never appear if the students are not equipped and ready for the journey? So, so there's, there's the, let's go through the concept and the practical part of that. And I see it as two. The concept is no, you are ready now. Your signals are always with you. You're ready at any point in time. So those listening, today can look back at the good decisions they made and the bad decisions that they made. And they can take a look and take the inventory of their positive negative signals today. They have to spend time doing that. My seven day challenge, which is free, helps you do that. Or they just grab a piece of paper and say, what's the, my decision? What did it feel like? What was my decision? What did it feel like? And take the time to do that. That's the, that's the conceptual part. The practical part, which I consistently find after interviewing over a thousand people, one of the things that I used to do when I asked my first question on intuition was, it used to be, when, when did intuition impact your life? And when I started my interview with that question, 100% of the time, it was always when someone hit rock bottom. And there was this almost intuitive wake-up call that they had to say, oh, maybe I should start trusting my intuition again. So from a conceptual perspective, you're ready now. But from practical perspective, we don't appreciate the power of intuition until we're hit rock bottom. And when you hit rock bottom, the only thing that's going to show up is your master. And that's your intuition. Because there's only one way to look. And that's up to the light of intuition. And intuition is always shining the light. Even when you were going down that slippery slope, what you were doing is you kept looking down at the bad decisions you made. You forgot to look up at the light called intuition to say, here's the path out. And you wow. missed all the pathways out of that slippery slope. And you remind me the, the, the scene of the Batman when he was in the rock bottom, he tried to jump outside of the, uh, of the, uh, 
of the deep digging, you know, you need yeah. to go up and go back. And there is also, you know, you know, when you hit rock bottom, there is only breakthrough, you know? Yes. So he was looking up, he keep trying. As I said, when you rock bottom, there is only one way, it is up. Yeah. And um, it's just eye-opening, you know, what, whatever you say about it, this is eye-opening. But like me and Atta, we have this question, why is it so hard for the here the mentality or the for the social community to accept this, that everybody has his own why, you have your own mission, and why we have this uh, hunger and uh, for social approval, and they compromise the self-concept for self-image, that we have this... Uh, um, what you call like anxiety about our self-image and we only post in our social media the best. We always compare ourselves. Why that anxiety that we always want to sound that perfect? We don't accept our vulnerability. Why is that? I, I just think that people are just looking for that acceptance. They're looking for that quick dopamine hit that's going to give them that mini pleasure all the time. And and it's just, there will come a point in, t- in time where unfortunately either they hit rock bottom or there's a bit of regret and by that time it's too late and and so you know i i can give all the advice and the tools it's it's like uh, you know it's like one of my my colleagues said you know um you can you can have the mba you can get the mba and solve a bunch of case studies but until you've actually solved a, a company's problem uh, uh, or, you know it, then you you can't call yourself uh, you know, a business executive, uh, you know, you can't earn the right to sit on a, a chair high up on a 30, 30 story building because you've got three letters behind your name. If somebody tells you to sweep the floor, get on your knees and sweep the floor. Right. Uh, you know, and these, there's these tools out there that are given to you like intuition, which you're born with. It's just how you use them. Uh, and unfortunately, um, it's either going to be through rock bottom or it's going to be through meeting either Ghanim Yu or Atif or me or similar people or Eckhart Tolle or, you know, similar people that they can latch onto that gives them that revelation that yes, I can change. And it's up to them to make that change uh, given everything around them, given their, their relationships and things like that. And, and these decisions may seem tough. I don't see them as tough. I, I just see them as decisions you need to make, but I think people, make it or think it's tough when they really should strip themselves of that. And, and I mean, I've interviewed so many people now that when they made that decision, their lives are much happier. And so there's, there's so many people listening to it yet. They'll still go back to the same way. I mean, I had one fellow, he was an internet, he was a boxer, a professional boxer. He lost four, well, three of when I was interviewing three of his matches, he lost and he revealed to me first time publicly that he lost because one time he was peeing blood. Another time his testosterone levels were through the roof, but his ego got in the way and he went into the ring and lost. Uh, and so he went through my seven day challenge. He, I interviewed him for 45 minutes. I taught him about how to use his intuitive signals. He came away from that interview really, really revigorated, re- 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 reinvigorated. And then even though going through all that education, uh, I, I remember I was walking around, uh, you know, doing some shopping with my wife and I got a text message from him. And it basically says your, your, uh, your SH bleep works. Um, he said, he basically said that I knew that I was falling into a scam and he lost $2,000, even though he knew, he knew that this was a scam, yet he still paid $2,000. And he texted me and he says, when's your next boot camp, Sunil? I got to get back into this thing. So it's 
it's a process for people. And it all depends on how, how, and I'm being very careful. I don't want to say how tough, how hard, because that's not the language I'm using. Like, when are you going to start is basically what I want to say. If I say tough or hard, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a filter saying that it is tough and hard. It's not. You just have to be, you just have to step up. Too much truth and true in it to accept, you know? Yeah. And and why are we so hard? It's like ugly truth to accept. Yeah, I mean, it's not ugly. It's beautiful. I think when you are yourself, yeah, maybe you're in the beginning it is this ugly. It is it is just a shock, you know. You know, many shock, people, yeah. many people, they rather to play the victim role because it's yeah. easier. Yeah. But you know, to accept it and not, you know, you own your own happiness and it's yeah. your decision. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it is for me. Like personally, all what I was. Um, you know, and this is like a point I want to discuss with you, Sunil, that people that, especially with the concept inner child, you know, many people, they have this concept that the wounded inner child. So when, because, you know, the first programming they have, uh, they found is from their parents and f- their parents, they put the seed that they are not good enough. They yeah. want nothing. And they carry this. And unfortunately, if you don't have this awakening, they will project it to their kids and the cycle will go on yeah. until some something happened. And uh, these things, um, but it is not very easy to be, Align with your inner child, and first of all, to discover the concept of inner child, to be aligned with it, and and you say it is fine. So usually, like me and Atavi, I say if one of my articles that I wrote that there's three self permission you need to give yourself. First of all, to make mistake because you are a human being and you will keep doing mistake. Yeah. Second one is it is okay not to feel okay to accept your feeling and usually sometimes when I have uh, and I usually say there is not such thing called negative or uh, positive feeling in my view. I think there is healthy and non-healthy. Sometimes it is healthy to feel sad with certain extent. It mm-hmm. is healthy to feel angry to certain extent, but you don't go to the next stage. You, you need, for example. It's fine to express your anger in the right way, but not to to the extent to break things and yelling. No, no. So it is healthy and unhealthy. And yeah. people they, they usually they use the the word emotional intelligence. I prefer emotional regulation than intelligence because mm-hmm. you need to to think about your emotion. The third permission you need to give yourself to live your own why, your own mission. I mm-hmm. think these three self permission it'll give you. So many times, you know. I'm very harsh on myself because in my whole life, I usually have been labeled as the underdog. And this is why I said, you know what? I'll get all this degree and I finished my PhD when I was only 29 because I need some material evidence that, yes, I am here. I'm good enough. And I discovered all that. Oh, yeah, I get PhD engineer. You know what? It took for me literally five minutes and I feel emptiness and apathy again. That right. What next? It, literally, I was happy for five minutes. I said, literally, all this suffering, all this work on the labs for this five minutes enjoyment. So yeah. I was an illusion. So as you said, it is from now to feel fulfilled. And I discovered, and then I started reading about positive psychology. I read uh, about uh, a book called Flores by Professor Martin Seligman. So I and I'm still, I love engineering. I love my area. But I yep. started uh, reading about positive psychology, about my purpose. And I cannot say that I am in total peace with myself. No, but at least I I know that I am the right path. 
when I have this emotion, trigger emotion, I practice a lot of journaling, you know, it, it, yep. it eased the way. I don't suppress my emotion anymore. I just let it go, let it through. And I'm very vocal about it, you know, because, you know, somehow in the Middle East, we have this stigma about mental health and uh, going to therapists. And yep. like me and Atof, we try to raise the awareness. It's fine, you know. If you have, I usually I give the simple example. If you have pain in your stomach, I mean, you go to it, but and you have no stigma. But when you have the most complex organ in your body, which is your brain, it contains one uh, hundred billion neurons. You feel ashamed or stigma to go to a therapist? Come on. Yeah. So uh, this is what we do. I, I know we, uh, as a civil engineering. We, we we cover a lot of uh, energy technical structure many topics but sometimes we need these kind of topics you know because yeah. this is the uh, this is the enlightenment the illumination that we need to put it uh, for, for 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 us because engineering by profession it is serving people profession i mean in summarizing yeah. and i think uh, mental health uh, and well-being is, is one of the important aspects because we are human being and not human doing after all yeah. And, and I think there's, there's, there's a couple of things that you, you talk about there it, when it comes to, you know, some of the people with their inner child that's, that's hurting and all that. Uh, this is where, to my earlier point, this is where we're actually living life for other people. Right. And, and you really, you know, you had a problem in the past and this is where you need, uh, you know, good therapy. And I use hypnotherapy for my one-on-one clients uh, to get out of that, that, the past so that they can start just living in the present. The other thing that I found is that, okay, let's say someone is ready to embrace intuition and they're ready to listen to their signals. What I found is that um, this is where earlier I was talking about not being able to find my own definition and people need to understand intuition from their lens, their perspective. And the best example I can give you is actually from a, and I was talking earlier about this from a non-believer. There's actually four types of intuition what I was talking about earlier. And let's take it through, let's, let's take this from the lens of a non-believer into in an hour, I was able to turn him completely around. So this was a colleague of mine, John Rothschild. This guy was an investment banker. So data, spreadsheets, uh, the whole nine years, that ruled everything in his life. So what I'm talking about at the time, the research was around meditation, voices from God, like that is something he is not going to rally around. And so I sat down with him. We actually turned on the cameras uh, and I'm telling him about that CEO who sees omens. And he actually says, he says, oh, yeah, you know what? I, I'd love to shake the hand of that guy. But unfortunately, life is about experiences and learning. And I said, oh, but John, hold on. And now this is where we get into the four types of intuition. One of the four types of intuition is actually called experiential intuition. So when you're born, you've got all these neurons firing 90 billion neurons when you're born, hundred billion roughly when, by the time you're, you're a little older and every single day you've got tens of thousands of it's about 6,000 research shows when you're younger, 28 to 35,000 when you're older per day of these experiences and decisions that all are being put into the subconscious area of your brain. So if you look at your brain, like an iceberg, 90% underwater, it's subconscious, 10% above water, which is your conscious. So it's constantly feeding this experience, the learning, both good and bad from you and from other people in this portion of your brain so that when you're ready to make a decision, your experiential intuition plucks uh, the experience from the past and informs you, even when you get that signal in a split second, it's already giving you those raw skills that are telling you, you can make that decision. 
you've already got the data. You've already got the experience because it's in your it's in your library called the subconscious that your intuition has already pulling itself from. And in some cases, your intuition gets you to, to go against the data. And then John perks up and he goes, "Well, that's kind of funny. I've got a I've got a story about that." So John was in the in the uh, he it, as an investment banker. They were putting franchise locations together, and if you put a franchise like McDonald's or uh, Burger King or Pizza Hut or whatever franchises for his company, typically they would use a benchmarking system. So a nine out of ten, which would mean that they would put a franchise location. This looking at traffic patterns, development in the area, um, things like that. Uh, and there was this this one location he looked at in Toronto, Canada, which was a five and a half out of ten, not even close. Yet he goes, him and his partner go to this dilapidated, really rundown area of Toronto, and he's looking. He goes, you know what? Something's telling me that we should put a franchise location here. And his team was mad because they gave the go ahead, and they put something called the beer market. And the beer market ended up being one of the most profitable portfolio of franchise locations in all of the portfolio. So now John's kind of getting it. And we start talking a little bit more and his purpose changes. His pur- he, Instead of being an investment banker, his intuition was saying, you need to run a company. And so he says, I didn't want to be on the sidelines. I wanted to be a coach. Now we're going to get into um, the, uh, and so the situational intuition we talked about with the five and a half out of 10, that's, that's the second of the two. So experiential intuition, situational intuition, where he walked into Toronto and said, there's something here. Now we're getting to the third of the four called relational intuition. Relational intuition is your intuition that filters those people to let them in. That are those that are going to support your purpose. Again, we were saying earlier, not yes, people, but people are going to support his purpose. His purpose changed. His purpose was instead of being an investment banker, he wanted to run a company. All the people that were that were uh, really excited about ego, fame, money, high-end restaurants, limousines, private jets, security, all told him he was nuts. The one per- person, the one person that believed in his purpose was his wife. And that's the one he listened to. And he turns to his wife and looks at her uh, in, in her eyes. And now I'm quoting John from somebody who didn't believe intuition existed. He looked at her and said, this just feels right. There's his intuitive signal. And then the fourth of the four is called um, creative intuition. Creative intuition is the, the one that actually makes the decision. If it's a mundane decision, like what are we going to eat or we're going to turn left here, your creative intuition is pretty low. But when you kind of go against the norm, your creative, creative intuition is high. So now you would think with someone who's like a 30-year investment banking executive, would pick a business to run that is healthy in cash flows, good balance sheet, and strong revenues. Not his intuition. His intuition picks a tiny, bankrupt little restaurant. So he quits, follows his creative intuition, and walks into that tiny, bankrupt little restaurant. That restaurant ended up being something called Eastside Mario's location number one. And in the next 20 years... He grew that one location to over a thousand and he retired after 20 years. Uh, He amassed $2 billion in revenues all because it felt right. That's what happens when you trust your intuition. That's what happens when you trust your intuitive signals. 
And that's the tangible benefits you can get when you live in the present moment and you follow your intuition. So, so, so Neil, I have this, I know it is um, uh, like, uh, we already uh, run on time, but this is my final question. And like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Personally, does the environment, your environment can affect your intuition? I mean, that you have a good intuition, but somehow, I mean, you mentioned about the relation that you select the right people who believe in you and everything. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes people, they lose the track and they, their intuition will be uh, manipulated somehow by the environment. They will lose, they will quit early. So how I sustain my focus. So we, the, the word focus for me is very important. The power of focus, one of the important books that I, I read, that how I invest, I actually use the word invest my focus to nurture my intuition so that I reach to my goal. Mm-hmm. Is it the environment affect the focus or the focus affect the environment? I mean, so let me throw this word, focus, environment, yeah. intuition, my goal. How I connect yeah. these dots. So your, your focus, so your focus will, so when you, when you basically trust yourself, you've got a strong set of values. Um, what happens is you, you deal with the environment that you're in. And then what you do is you, you make, take the steps to move out of that environment. And so you're, where your focus, so your goal is something you always, you, you always uh, want to try and reach. You have to make sure that you're doing it from an intrinsic perspective and that goal is not extrinsically motivated, right? Having a big car, making people, make, making me look big, whatever it is, that's not a goal. A goal is something you want to reach to, which is in line with your purpose and your values. That's a bit of a separate discussion. But what you want to do is in when, what environment that you have you want to try and move away from it. And you can find many wins in the environment that you have. Again, your intuition is going to take that into account and give you the signals as to what decisions that you need to make to thrive in that environment and then eventually move yourself out of that environment. So a lot of people were stuck in, let's say, bad neighborhoods. Uh, and I've had a number of people who got into drugs or behind bars or in the, in the real crappy areas of New York or Chicago or L.A., um, and they've been able to change their environment over time uh, to get out so that then their intuitive decisions automatically change. And now they've gotten rid of the, the old way of doing things, but they're stuck there. I mean, if they're kids, they're there. I mean, that's their environment. But the decisions they make in that environment keep them away from drugs, keep them away from those people who, who affect them in a healthy way. You know, you can't just say you're an idiot. You know, somebody's going to maybe put a bullet in your head if you do that in, say, the Bronx, right? But you manage that. You manage your way to get, to, out of, to get out of that in, in your own way. And for those who I've interviewed, because I haven't been in that environment, um, they were able to trust their intuition. And their parents were also help, helping in keeping them away from that by giving them their values uh, and what's important for them, even though they were in a sort of a drug-infested area. It always seemed that their parents uh, were gave, able to give them really good values about trusting themselves and doing the best for themselves, and you know, and so they got a lot of inspiration from that, even in a bleak environment. Eventually, there's a time that comes when you grow up and then you move away from that environment, either by going to school or college or university or even working, but then you're out. And when you're out of that environment, you have to be very careful not to slip back in with the same bunch of people that are dragging you back in. Um, and and you just got to cut them off, right? Some people just said, I stopped answering the phone. Like there was one person who was, uh, she was, uh, uh, she was bisexual, drugs, uh, two kids, uh, you know, 
really bad lifestyle and she just got it. Boom. She said, I'm done. I can't go on. She found herself on the, on the floor of her bathroom with a needle in her arm, almost overdosing, thinking, what about my two kids? And it was instant for her. And she said, my intuition just said, stop. And she didn't answer her phone. She didn't answer her door. She was still in that environment. She didn't have any money, but she found a way to get back to school. She completed her high school. She found a way to get her real estate license. For two years, she had no money. She had to eat macaroni and cheese with her kids, um, going door to door, dragging the kids in tow. Uh, and from someone who came from being uh, having a needle in her arm, almost ready to give up life, Today, she's making about $400,000 a year in real estate, right? And again, don't focus on the money. Focus on the steps that she took to get out of the environment she was in. She was deep in that environment. But again, when you take the steps, you find your way, even in that environment. She found her way to get to this 12-step program. She found her way to trust the right people. She found a way to ignore the wrong people. And guess what? Over time, People didn't stop to call her. Over time, the knocks on her door stopped because she wouldn't answer them. She made the decision. So those bad influences just stopped coming around because they were probably a be- found some other victim to be a bad influence. But she made that decision to stop, even though she was in that area. And even in that area, she decided to go back to school. Even then in that area, she decided to go get a real estate license and change the environment. And eventually she got out. And eventually she moved out of there. And eventually then that just accelerated her ability. And even in real estate, she still felt that she was like, she had tattoos. She was 16. She looked like she was 16 when most people are fifties in their real estate in North America. Uh, And she just, she felt that negative energy. And she said, she talks about it saying that other people feel intuition is a two way street. So as much as your intuition is, is being projected on others, possibly, uh, the intuition of others is looking to you to see if they trust you. So in the real estate game where trust is, is the way to, to get repeat sales. If you're not confident with yourself, the intuition of others is going to feel that. And they felt that with her. And that's why in the first two years, nothing really happened. And then she had an intuitive moment. It was almost an intuitive wake up call. And she says something snapped. And all of a sudden she went from being this, somebody who was really sort of meek and mild to someone who's super confident. And then one thing happened, another, she started making all the goals. She started hitting. She wanted to uh, build her business. That started happening. She started selling a lot more. She made her first milestone was $250,000 for her, which was a sign of success. She nailed it. She got another assistant. Uh, she moved into a better place. She, and so she doesn't go show homes anymore. They come the business starts coming to her because she's developed that, trust that two-way trust that's driven by intuition and now she's very successful she still struggles here and there because I, I still see her you know going through ups and downs um, that's part of life but if you look at the overall tra- trajectory so it's like looking at like a, a stock right a stock's gonna be up and down but the general trajectory is up that's why you want to invest in that she has the same thing she's still quite successful when she feels down I send her a message do you remember where you came from Boom. And that changes her mindset, right? And she's back up again. And again, even in that environment, you can still trust your intuition to take the steps to reach your mini goals. Mini goals is stop talking to these idiots. Uh, A mini goal of feed your kids. Uh, A mini goal of maybe go to school. Okay. These are small goals. And, And these steps are meant to be small. 
Um, but when you put them together, they get bigger. And a great, great, great uh, analogy I have is this. There was a, a friend of mine, David Dame, who was in a wheelchair for, the, for his whole life, cerebral, cerebral palsy. Uh, sorry, yeah, cerebral palsy. His whole dream was to actually just step on a beach and just let the sand and the water caress his toes. So he gets that chance recently. Uh, I think it's been a year or two years. And uh, so he goes for a vacation. His friends wheel him up to that place in the beach. He stands up. He gets help standing up. He can't, can't stand up his own. And he falls flat on his face. And he says, there's two things I can do at that moment, Sneel. I can succumb to the fear and sit back in that wheelchair and forever regret that I've never able to reach my dream, even though it's right here. But I succumb to the fear, sit back in my wheelchair and go about in life regretting. Or I can trust my intuition. I can trust that signal to say, take the next step forward and take the next step forward. And he does. And he starts walking and he continues to walk and he continues to walk. And then he points to his chin and he says, the water gets to about his chin. And that's when he turns around. And when he turns around, he has not realized how far he has come. That's what is happens when you live in the present moment and you take every single step. You don't look at, you reach the goal. Yes, you'll reach it. But don't keep turning around to see if you reached it. You keep trusting your intuitive signals. You take one step after another and one step after another. And that's how far you come. Wow, that's fantastic. About daily, like you have to go step by step. Even Tony Robin yeah. speak about that. Like you yep. start with small goal, small step for intuition. Then this would grow up with time. Yes. So, you know, yeah. So, you know, it's like one hour. I don't want it to keep you more. So I have two <laughs> questions. Yep. And, you know, because I don't want even to keep it a long broadcast. I'm not Joe Rogan. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, so I have two questions. Okay. One question. Is there is a difference between intuition and uh, what you love? Like, for example, I see a food. I love that food. But that's different, or is that the difference between what I need or what my intuition? The second question, it's I know we go deep now on the topic, but do yeah. you regret the moment you've been in do you think the engineer benefit you even the skill you took it? Or just to, this is I want to tell to other civil engineer, or just to just reject regret, regret that even you enter civil engineer? And the final question, any final was though, and I we're gonna end yeah. it from here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and so, so uh, with the first one, so if you love a piece of food, so that's your, that's your emotional high, right? So, and this is when you hijack uh, your amygdala. So when you're looking at a piece of food, you get that emotional high. Uh, relationships are like that. So sometimes we still we stay in abusive relationships because emotionally we're so attached to that person that what we need to do is really kind of take a step back. And so for those who don't know what their intuitive signals are, they're not tapped into that. One of the first things I suggest is they find a place where they can go to really kind of relax, cut out the noise. Some people is exercising. For me, it's in the shower or driving long distances. Before I go to bed, everybody's different. But where do you go to really kind of think about what you want to do? And so when you think about something that, you're, that you want to do or a step that you want to take, you this is where you kind of pay attention to those signals that are telling you what to do. And so for those who actually who are listening that take advantage of that free seven-day challenge, I actually take them through, they, they identify a problem. And the first thing I get them to do is take stock of their negative signals and their positive signals. And so when you have that, 
then you know when you take the time to think about the decision, you you pay attention to the signal that's coming. So if, if it's a food, you look at it and you start salivating, and and it, but that's an emotional high. That's not necessarily intuitive. Um, and so that, that's one. And the second one with, with uh, civil engineering, uh, everything has a purpose. Everything has taught me. Um, uh, like if I didn't go through civil engineering, I was never able to reflect back on it, knowing that there, again, there was this something telling me not to be an, enge- uh, an engineer. I'm, what it did teach me is it taught me some great skills on being a great management consultant because I was able to solve some problems while in the firms I was with. Uh, it taught me to list, look at what I enjoyed, which was looking over construction crews. So again, breadcrumbs of things within that experience of telling me what I need to, where I need to move on. But for my dad, who's a hardcore engineer, he is an engineer. He'll never be anything but, and his pride is about engineering. You can tell his pride is about showing people the buildings he's had. And that's what he, his self-worth is tied to that. Now, some of it might, might move into ego. You have to be careful. Um, but that's something that, that my dad has to wrestle with. I think there's a little bit more ego because I don't think he got a lot of self-worth when he was younger. He always had to prove himself throughout his whole life. And that's that's now seeped into who he is now. But to my but dad. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's him. That's his path. His path, we uh, cannot change it. It's not my path. I, I, he can understand what intuition is. Yeah. He can listen to what I have to say. He can always listen to the podcast. He may not get it, but that's his path. I can't worry about his life. I can only worry about mine. I can appreciate him for my father. And I appreciate him that his self-worth is tied to engineering. So this is not a, this is not a, a, a talk in leaving your career by any means. This is a talk about what are you really meant to do? And if it is engineering or engineering represents something that's of value to you, well, then continue to be the engineer or become that doctor if that's what you really want to do or become that uh, you know lawyer if that's what you really want to do. But the question is, are, is that what you really want to do? Or is that what society wants you to do or that person wants you to do, or you're getting that dopamine hit. Um, and those are the questions you want to think about when you take some of these major decisions. And even if you do remember your intuition is going to use experiences, good and bad that put in the subconscious area. Of your, uh, and, and, you know, from a neuroplasticity perspective, your failures are your best friend. The greatest healing comes from your greatest pain. And so there's always learning that you can have in the good and the bad. What you want to do is change that ratio from good and bad to just lots of good and maybe a little bad. Fantastic. For any final thoughts from you? Uh, no, this is a big, uh, it's great conversation. People want to connect with me. They can, uh, I'm on all the social media channels, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm going to try my thing at TikTok. I'm not going to dance uh, on TikTok. <laughs> uh, I will be giving some, some interesting stuff. If, if people start seeing me dance, their intuition is going to say, yeah, I'm not going to follow this guy. <laughs> For sure. Me too. I cannot uh, I know how um, to dance even. Yeah. And, and so they can go to intuitionology.com. My podcast series is, is off my website, or they can go to any of the major podcast apps. Um, and if they want the free seven-day challenge, you can go to intuitionology.com. Uh, I can give you guys a link as well. Uh, and then oh, they so can we'll show not, Don't worry. Yeah. And, and that's it. And um, connect with me however they want. And uh, hopefully this, this really gets people to think hard and really take them. I mean, you guys look like you guys kind of are, are in the same game of talking about it. Uh, and so people should really pay attention to what you guys are saying, what we're all collectively saying. And I mean, our purposes are the same. I mean, Ganim, when you're telling me what your purposes are, uh, it's just exactly the same purpose I have. 
uh, I, I, it's affecting people with those same awareness pieces that you were saying. It's just like, you know, it's like a mirror coming in front of me. That's my goal with intuitionology. If I can help, you know, as many people as I can, one person at a time, great, I'm happy. And that's what I'm teaching my daughters to do, right? Uh, and, and that's what I'm teaching everybody else around me to do. And if they don't want to listen, they don't have to. I'm just going to keep talking and talking and talking. Fantastic, really. Thank you for that. And we're going to, for sure, I'm going to put this in show notes. Or for, for your box and for your website and for even your podcast and kind of button channel. And really Thank great you. pressure and really nice to meet you. And hopefully we'll for sure we can give you again for for our next episode. And if you bought our next book, we will be the first people who can interview you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And it was this is a pleasure. It was a really great deep conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different than some of the other ones because some yeah. of the other was a little bit more superficial. We actually go pretty deep and so we answer yeah. some pretty really interesting questions that I think your listeners are really going to reflect. I hope yeah. that they really reflect on self-reflect after they listen to this episode. I hope of course I hope at least I hope we add value. Actually, this is one one of the reasons why we want to add podcast. It's one to add. To speak yeah. everything from an engineering perspective, like Minton, like Anton Handel, like between purpose, but from an hour, an hour way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. Really, really appreciate it. And wishing you the best. Take care. Thank you, Ganimatif. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. It was a really great episode, actually, to be honest with Mr. Sunin. It had us, to be honest, personally. Yeah, I tried to put it all the opposite there. I tried to put it all. I tried not to cut anything. And do you like guys to be interviewed more guy like Mr. Sunin or another guy? What do you think about this episode? Follow us. We are on all social media platform and we are on all all podcast platform. And also we will put in show notes all Mr. Sunin link there. Go and follow him. Thank you and wishing you the best and take care. Bye. To wrap it up this episode, hopefully you're going to like it. I wish you the most for work and good luck and see you another episode. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. See you guys. Have a good day and good night. Thank you. Bye.